the good thing is that I think my audience kind of knows that I'm just winging it sure. <laughs> every time, so they're fine with me just kind of messing up. Anyway, welcome to the Van Man Podcast. My name is Sam, and I am the Van Man, and I have Isaiah Shields with me today. Um, my second guest that I've actually never met until today, this moment. Until so, the moment you rolled up. Right. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Super excited. Let's have a chat. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I have in my notes, I called you a professional walker. Is that pretty fair? That's pretty fair. That's cool. what I call myself, too. People are like, uh, do you, like, do you know where you're going? I'm like, I don't know, but I'm a professional at this. Yeah, you really are. I mean, after uh, the amount of time that you've done it. But, but before we go into that, can you describe yourself for people? What do you look like? What do you, How would you describe your personality? Say I'm about five foot eight, which is kind of a booger because all my brothers are like six foot three, six foot two. Um, I don't know, blue eyes, blonde hair, strapping young lad, except I weigh like Very 135 handsome. pounds <laughs> and I have a huge nose. But other than that, um, I don't know. I like walking. I like ping pong. I like, uh, I don't know. I've always been sort of a problem solver. I think you met me through a gentleman named Michael Nixon. Is that yep. right? Yeah, yeah. So we went to strategy together at BYU. That was our major. No way. So we always just, I don't know, that's sort of our thing. We just analyze stuff a lot. Yeah, his episode that I recorded with him, because we recorded an episode, and then I asked for referrals, and he's like, you know, you should look at this guy named Isaiah. And sure. I was like, please, yeah. I like it. So his episode comes out in two days on Thursday, and then oh, yours yeah. will come out next week. Oh, is it like a once a week type thing? Yeah, that's what I'm kind of going for. Okay. We'll yeah. see. Yeah. We'll see what the cadence looks like as you roll up for it. Yeah. yeah. Like so it. tell everybody, what are you doing? What? Why are we in Pennsylvania? <laughs> <laughs> why are we chatting? Yeah. What makes me worthy of your time? Well, I don't know. No, no, I don't. Everyone's worthy of the fun. Right now, I'm best known for my long distance walking feats. Uh, feet is an unintended pun there because I use my feet a lot. But um, for the last 415 days, I've been walking pretty much every day. And so I started in Provo, Utah. I just walked from my driveway, and then I walked to the westernmost point of the continental United States, which is found on the Olympic Peninsula of Washington State. It's called Cape Alava. And then I turned around, and ever since then, I've been heading towards the West Quaddy Head Lighthouse in Maine, which is the easternmost point of the continental United States. So the idea wow. was to walk the breadth of the United States, but also the widest longitudinal breadth, all on foot. So why? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Me and you both. I know. I've been There's waiting no... like a month asking yeah, that question. <laughs> I know. And I've been trying to, I've been like, I've been spending every day trying to answer my, there are times where I like have like a feeling. I'm just like, yes, this is just, it makes so much sense. But I, I struggle still to put it into words. But um, there, so I, I guess I can say a bunch of things it's not. It's not for, for like sure. charity. I'm not raising money for any sort of foundation or anything. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but a lot of people like will have like their, their heart set on this charity and then they're like, how can I raise a money and awareness and they'll do something crazy. Right. I was sitting at my, my job one day at my desk looking at an Excel spreadsheet and I just had the idea of like, man, I really want to see a lot of stuff. What if I just walked for like a really, really long time? And then I came up with all the rest of the details later just to like give myself something to give myself something to point at. But I mean, so that's as much thought as went into it. I just, it was an idea that I had. Some people have an idea to like sell popcorn out of a little stand or some people have an idea to start a rock band or to restore an old Corvette in their garage. And who knows where these ideas come from? They just sort of are a reflection of your personality and like things that you like to do. And it all just sort of accumulates into this idea that crumbs across your mind. And this is the one that sort of spoke to me. And ever since it crossed my mind, it sort of just grew until I eventually quit and left and executed okay. on it 
So do you view it kind of just like as a project? Like, are you going to be done once you reach Maine in the lighthouse? I'm not sure if I'll be done, like, doing anything like this for the rest of my life. Right. But, uh, I mean, that was the whole extent of the project. I might turn around and walk home because I... The reason I've continued for the last 415 days, as my grandma says, like, aren't you done? Like, haven't you proved your point? There's no point to prove. I just really enjoy the way I spend my hours from the time I wake up until the time I go to sleep. And that's been fairly true my whole life until I started, like, working full time. And then I just felt this, like, existential dread of, like, I don't want 30 years to go by. And, like, I just went to an office every day. And I try pretty hard to explain to people that I don't think that that's true for everyone. Right. It was just I needed to find some way that made my life feel meaningful, fulfilling, and an enjoyable way to spend my time. And this happened to do the trick. So I might do other walks. I might do other stuff. But I won't return to the life I led before. Um, I'll always probably be doing some sort of thing. But as far (laughs) as what that is. Something more than staring at an Excel sheet. (laughs) Yeah. And, um... There's a re- my, I have a YouTube channel I've been trying to document it and it's called You Do You like the expression you say to people when they're like yeah, explaining you do, something yeah. that you don't really agree with but you're like but I'm glad you're doing your thing right that's the expression I went with for my channel You Do You and it wasn't like walking is the best that's not my YouTube channel because right. all of my ideas for like what's fun and what's enjoyable don't revolve around walking I have other ideas I want to do and I might execute on some of them like restore an old brick building like an old brick church from like the 1800s I think that'd be awesome. And that might be one of my projects. I do like other walking projects, at least the thought of them. I would like to walk from the lowest point on the surface of the planet, which is the Dead Sea in Israel, to the highest point on the surface of the planet, to the summit of Mount Everest. Oh, wow. So just from one point to the other, all on foot. So I like that idea. Maybe that'll be one of them I do. Wow. Oh, so much there. So many questions. Okay. <laughs> Good. So, I'll give you a second. Can, can you, so uh, for a little bit of background for everybody, uh, when I say we just met, like, I think we've exchanged maybe 10 texts and a two minute phone call. Yeah. And that's that basically it. So, until so how old are you? Tell me about um, your, like your life before yeah, sure. you started. Yeah. So I grew up a military brat, which is a term okay. that I don't understand, but it's given to kids of military families. Sure. So my dad was in the Air Force. I was born in Germany. And then every four years we moved. So right. zero to four Germany, Ohio, Virginia, Boston, four what years part of Ohio? Each. Dayton. Dayton. Oh, Dayton, cool. Ohio. Yeah, I actually drive through there. I grew up in Athens, Ohio. Okay, sure. Oh, you. So oh. we did a family vacation once in Dayton. Oh, I'm glad you did. It was it. great. Yeah, we loved it. It's actually like one of our favorite vacations. <laughs> we talked. I was talking to my dad about it last night. It was a great vacation. It was solid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I we left when I was eight, so I don't have like a ton oh, of formative sure, sure. memories there. <laughs> yeah. More, uh, more in D.C. and Boston. Okay. And then I lived for three years in Salt Lake City, Utah, and then two years in the Philippines, and then I went to school in Provo, Utah, for four okay. years. And you graduated there in strategy? Yes, in strategy. I studied strategy. And then for about two years, I worked in corporate finance. And then uh, that's when I left and started walking. So I was 27 when I left last May of Mm -hmm. 2021. And I'll be 29 like on Thursday or something. So I've been walking a while. On Thursday? Like your birthday's in two days? What's today? The 23rd? Yeah. Yeah. So, so the 27th, so whatever that is, uh, Saturday, Friday? I don't know. Yeah, it's like Friday, Friday, Saturday. It's one of those yeah. days. Yeah, one yeah. of those days. Happy birthday, so, man. <laughs> thank you. So I've been walking all, my whole 28th year of life, which is crazy. Every wow. day just walking. So from the point that you had the idea, you know, you said you're staring at an Excel sheet. How long was it from that point to day one of walking? Nearly a year. Um, okay. Because so there was one, quite a bit of planning. Planning, no, but time in between, yeah. <laughs> so 
I knew, like, it was an idea, right? Like, everybody's right. had crazy ideas, and most of them yeah. you don't execute on, right? right. Like, I want to be a game show host, but you don't, like, dedicate your life to that. You right. Know? Um, so it was June, and I was like, in theory, I would want to leave in spring, because then I'll have, like, six to eight months before winter becomes one of those many, many variables I'll be adjusting to on the road. Right. So I was like, if it's still a thing I'm believing in, it comes spring, I'll leave then. And so, like, the rest of the summer went by, and I was, like, I was living a normal life. I'd bought a house. I had a mortgage. I had a job. Wow. I just got a new job. I'd graduated college. You know, I was on the track. Right, yeah, in finance, I was in the too. flow of, yeah. like, the river that everybody says you're supposed to swim in. Yeah. You get an education. You get a job. You buy a house. That way you can buy groceries and go to movies with your friends and family. Yeah. So I was in the flow of the river, like, and you don't just hop out and towel yourself off and start exploring the desert like at the drop of a hat man that's a lot of metaphors all mixed into one oh but everybody follows that 100 percent. yeah good. i mean I'm, I'm literally yeah. working my nine to five job living in yeah. a van but like every day i sit at a coffee shop and i'm like i could not be doing this you know yeah <laughs> and it's it's like a tough balance because like i recognize the fact that it would be sweet to not work right but right lately as i've been sharing more and more on facebook and youtube like it is a lot of work I don't think right. people realize I'm I'm creating like five different content streams or six or seven. And like I'm always like whipping out my camera and like crafting stuff and trying to take shots and like explaining things and having people pull over. And it is a lot of work, but I am happy. Right. But there's also like the fact that I like Domino's Pizza. And if nobody ever employed themselves at Domino's Pizza, like the world wouldn't go around. So it's one of those tough. My life would crumble without Domino's. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be here because I am built mostly off the calories I consume at McDonald's and Domino's. <laughs> um, so it's a tough thing. But um, also, I forgot what the beginning of this thought train was. But, yeah. Uh, uh, what was a little bit of your life beforehand? Like, what was yeah. that first day like? Yeah. And so I, I, um, I was, it was like January. Okay. The following, after I'd thought about it the first time in like June of 2020. Okay. And I was sitting there and I'd like been talking to people about it and just like sort of hyping it up and just getting more and more involved with Kinda the idea. Kind of gauging if people were going to call you yeah, out as like a crazy, how crazy idea. Was or... it and, you know, seeing if it still stuck around because I've had uh -huh. a lot of ideas that didn't stick around. And I was sitting at home because of COVID and like our plant had been shut down. I was the finance analyst for a manufacturing plant. And I was looking at another Excel sheet and I was like, if I just call my boss right now and just say, hey, I'm done. That'll be like, the, there'll be like nothing left to like naturally organically put my effort towards. So I'll just start doing the walk instead. And that's what happened. I just picked up my phone and uh, Cody, I've had the hardest time remembering that guy's name. I called up Cody. I was like, hey, man, I'm going to go. <laughs> so I gave him like a month and a half. And then um, and then I went to my sister's house and fixed up her house for like six weeks because I was waiting for the weather to be warm. And yeah. then I built a garage in my backyard by myself and like my family helped a little but And then I left the day I finished building that garage so I could shove all my crap in it and rent out my house and Okay, so you Started still have walking. a house in Utah, yep. I'm assuming. Provo. It's just rented out. Yeah. Where in Provo? What I know. I know the Let's streets see. of Provo pretty well. You know the hospital? Uh-huh. I can see the hospital from my house. So I'm like a little west of it and a little south of it. Okay, so pretty close to where Michael is. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like I could 
I could, if I tried really hard in two stone throws, I could reach his house, like throwing it with my arm. Oh, that's hilarious. I lived at Michael's house when he first bought it. Oh, okay. So I know exactly. Yeah. yeah. In fact, when I'm in Provo, I usually park my van right around the block. Next I live to his. on the same west as him. Like No way. Yeah. <laughs> but he lives... Over by the church? No, that's a little farther. That's a little farther east. So, you know, there's the park. Uh-huh. And there's house, his uh-huh. house. If you just keep going down that street, cross uh, the the big the seven hundred or eight hundred. Yeah, and then I'm like half of a half a block that way. Keep huh. just keep you down. Yeah. I've crossed your house a thousand times. I'm sure you have on my commute to work yep. be- before COVID. That was years yeah. ago when I was in that. So Crazy. I like how good we were at keeping that vague. Like, we both yeah. know exactly what we were looking exactly at. I know exactly what you're talking about. But um, There's a house somewhere around there that sells honey year-round. I don't know. Hey. There's a house that always has a sign, and I always remember. I'm like, I'm going to go buy oh, their honey one about. day. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so you're, so you're renting that house out. You're So you said that you were going uh, from Washington over to Maine. Why go down to Texas? Why drop down? Cold. So it took me about, so I left May from my house in Utah and I walked Uh through Idaho and Oregon, Portland, walked up into Washington, hit the point, Cape Alava is what it's called. I hit that August 1st or 2nd or something. Okay. And then I turned around, walked through all of Seattle, Eastern Washington, crossed into Idaho again. And by the time I crossed into like Billings, Montana, it was Uh October. And so if Uh I'd kept going in a straight line through like Michigan and Minnesota, I'd have been there in January (laughs) and... How probably would have You'd died. You'd be dead yeah. in Michigan. So I turned right shy of Billings, went through Wyoming, Colorado, Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, and then I hit Galveston like March 26th or something. And that's right on the Gulf of Mexico. And then I turned and went through Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Miss Maryland, Virginia, Maryland, Delaware, and now Pennsylvania. Okay. So, uh, you know, one of my questions is actually, why aren't you doing like the AT or the PCT or like one of the trails? But it sounds yeah. like the goal is specifically to go from one side to the next, not, it isn't like. I mean, that's kind of arbitrary. I mean, when you're going right. on a long walk, there's various things you might want to see. The AT okay. and the PCT and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you're, you're on a trail, you're seeing nature all the time. Right. The part of America I wanted to see was the part that people had built. I wanted right. to see the little towns and I wanted to see people. I wanted to, I, I enjoyed watching people going about living their life, farmers or whatever their right. profession be. And so I just kind of wanted to see what everybody else did with their life and hopefully glean from all of that observation what was worth doing with mine. Oh, I love that. Pretty good, right? That's pretty good. I you, haven't practiced that in front yeah, of me. That just came out. <laughs> That's awesome. So, uh, any insight so far? Are there some things that you've seen people do? You're like, oh, I could maybe do that. I could pick that up. Insight so far is, um, it turns out I like doing this. Um, <laughs> but I've, I've learned like principles. So it's not so much what's worth doing with mine as it is like in terms of a specific job as it is in terms of like how you live your life via okay. principles of like kindness and empathy and sharing people's stories and like em- like caring about people and um, compassion. And that's sort of what I've gleaned is no matter what people do, if they're a farmer or an architect or a chiropractor, the thing that makes their life worth living is the fact that they like care about each other. So yeah. one of the biggest things I've come to conclude is uh, I think I wrote a post one time. It was like air- hair color, age, race, socioeconomic status or like how their teeth looked. There's been no correlation between what someone's physical appearance looked like and how likely they were to treat me with kindness. 
and regardless of what they did look like, the people that I've, you know, if I think about them too long, my voice will get shaky because I'm, you know, welling up with emotion, are just people that treated me like I was part of their family. And uh, no matter what you do with your life, like I make videos, and I and I happen to find it quite enjoyable, and lately it's finally started to be a source of income. Um, the things that make life worth living is talking to people and hearing their stories and validating them and um, sharing my memories together and like laughing and, and helping them when you can and, and treating them like they're your family. Man, I love that. Thank you yeah. so much for sharing that. Well, I'm glad. Yeah, no. Yeah. I, and, and how can I, how could I disagree with that? I mean, I, I a hundred percent agree. And I think everything that I've seen in my life kind of leans towards that as well. I, I've kind of always thought that, if somebody is doing something, they're doing it because they're trying to do the best they can. I 100% agree. Right? Nobody Everybody wakes up one wake, morning and is yeah, like, exactly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to commit a crime today. They're thinking, this crime is the best that I can do. With the situation exactly. that I'm in, it's the only option. I could not agree you know? more. Everybody is acting to, like, so the principles of economics that make a lot of sense to me is that everybody acts in their own best self-interest. Right. The only thing that makes one person's actions from the other different from another person's is their understanding of what is in their own best interest. And I think some people's understanding of that is probably could use some help, Yeah, you know, because they don't realize their own worth or they don't realize their own potential or they don't realize the options that they have. I've talked to a lot of people in like really rural areas and you can see that because of their inability to sort of travel or get other people's perspectives, they have a very, very narrow view of what the world actually looks like. Yeah. And they'll go, they'll say, they'll state things like they're fact that you know for a fact or opinion. <laughs> right. You know, because you've just seen so much. Right. And you just, you feel so bad for them. It's not their fault at all. They just haven't had the shot to, to get out and learn a little bit. Yeah. And I, I'll use Provo an example just because it's a place we're both familiar with. A yeah. lot of the people who maybe listen to this are from the sure. Utah County. Um, but I think most of the people that I know and most of the people we probably know, I think kind of fall into that category where they state their opinions as fact, even though they have the opportunity to travel and to, you know, gain more experiences. And so you see people maybe that are in these rural towns who don't at all have that opportunity. And it's just, it, it's, it's hard, I think, sometimes to look at. Yeah. I mean, for whatever reason, like I, I couldn't sit still if I wasn't like learning or, you know, really expanding my horizons of knowledge or whatever you want to call it. But that's not true for everyone. It is, I mean, in the last 415 days, as I've literally lived out of a tent and walked all day and I never plan where I'm going to be that night ever. I just wake up and I just go. And so there's a Whoa. massive <laughs> amount of uncertainty involved in that. Wow. Cause I yeah. never know where I'm going to sleep ever. Not once in those 415 days or maybe like once, like right. yeah, yeah, a couple of yeah, yeah. times people are like, Hey, I'm, I'm up ahead. I'll be like, all right, I'll, I'll go shoot cool. for your house. Right. But I mean, the vast majority of the time I wake up. I start walking and then like around seven, eight o'clock, I'm like, all right, where am I going? Like, so there's a massive amount of uncomfort, discomfort, uncertainty, and like just you, you stink all the time. You're terrible right. smelling. And so like that's not for everyone. And so it is much easier to live your life assuming you're acting on truth instead of always trying to expand your understanding what truth is and what reality is. And it's just harder. And so I get where they're coming from, but I think that's a much more rich life and much more meaningful life. And there's a lot more depth to be understand if you embrace a life with a lot more risk, a lot more discomfort and a lot less certainty. Can you tell me a little bit more about that logistically? Like I don't 
plan sometimes where I'm going to sleep, but that's always because I know that a Cracker Barrel is an hour away. Sure. Right. So where are you sleeping? Like, is it literally on the side of the road? Is it? Yeah. I mean, sometimes the biggest key there's, if I had, there's a, there's a bunch of principles that sort of guide a good camp spot. Right. The biggest one is don't be visible. So that's the biggest thing. If you can get behind some trees, if you can get under a bridge, if you can get behind a hill and then they're like, you're not in view of any roads or any houses or any factories or whatever the case may be. Right. So like if you look through the maps of the United States, if you're looking at like wooded areas, power lines, like public utility company uh-huh. power lines, they cut through the woods and they right. clear them. And so the ground is clear. But, uh, so I can set up a tent and I can get to them because they generally have like a, an access road. And the only oh, people right. who will see me will be like public utility employees who are like in charge of maintenance and they don't care. It's not their property. Like right. they're not invested. Like their children aren't sleeping nearby. So right. they're not worried about yeah. a guy sleeping in a tent. So that's a big one. Uh, the first like five or six months when I was on the West and there's just massive amounts of vast open space, I slept on the interstate every night for like the first five months. Cause like, you know, where you get off the interstate or get on, you have these big loops. Right. And then it crosses the interstate, so they have to build up this hill, this artificial uh-huh. hill. So I always walk against traffic. So you just get on the other side of the hill where oncoming traffic can't see you unless at the last moment they were to whip their heads around and, like, see yeah, you yeah, right yeah. as they pass the hill. So nobody sees you and nobody cares. And it was easy. Smaller roads are harder, even though they're prettier. Right. But, um, yeah, you try to... You try to get, like, sometimes the hill will be, a like, road will be built up on a hill, so you just get all the way down there, so you're below the level of traffic. I've done that. Right. And then some nights, you just can't find anything, so you just keep walking until, like, 11, 12, 1, 2, and it just sucks. You're really tired. But, yeah, it's it's not been easy. And some nights, you really don't feel safe. So you're one thing that's funny that I don't know if a lot of people would suspect is my body has subconsciously trained itself because I hear road noise all night, right? Because I'm, uh-huh. I'm sleeping generally near roads. Right. But my body subconsciously is listening to the road noise, and it can tell the difference between a car that just goes by at 20 miles an hour and a car that approaches 500 feet away at 20 miles an hour and then slows to a stop near me. And I can be full dead sleep, and if I hear the sound of t- cars rolling to a stop within the proximity of my head, then I go, and I just know that they're just, there uh, to investigate me. There's no reason they would yeah, stop because I'm no not reason. near anything. Yeah, you're in the middle of so a So the only reason freeway. they're um, stopping is to investigate my presence. And so I and, can wake up and be like, how's it going, officer? Or whatever the case right, may be. Right, because I imagine it's usually police officers. Yeah, Any... most of the time. Or occasionally it's a fella, just a random guy. Just saying hi? Just being like, what are you doing? You know, like he's, he's a resident of the area and he doesn't right. like the, sound, the thought of homeless people making camps here. Right. And I'll be like, oh, I'm just walking across the country. I'll be gone in the morning. And he's like, Oh, I'm like, yeah, you can Google me. I'm right. Googleable, and yeah. that, that sort of helps. <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean, you got a sign, to like, you know. Yeah, and so the, they can see the car, the, the big camera. Right. And then the, the big key is to like sound real chipper. <laughs> right. Yeah. You, you have smile. to be like sleeping, and you're uncomfortable, and you're sleeping on like the side of the road, and you got a crick in the neck in your neck, but you have to be like, "Hey, how's it going? <laughs> oh, sorry, am I? I'm not on your land, am I? I thought I was pretty sure I was on public roads." Okay, no, I got you. Yeah, I'm just walking. Yeah, you just got to really be chipper. (laughs) And then that makes them go like, oh, he doesn't seem like he's high. Yeah, right. Maybe high on life, but not on drugs. (laughs) So on that note, I was kind of thinking about this a little bit. Uh, I imagine you've probably run into homeless people. Yeah. A lot of, you've probably made a lot of friends that way or met a lot of people that way. Uh, You meet a lot of people. Not all of them are super easy to have a conversation with. Sure. Because a lot of that population tends to have... 
um, just mental hangups, you know, whether it just be like trauma. And so they, they, they right. can't like process things normally or a mental disability. And so you right. meet a lot of them and you learn how to um, handle that situation where in a way you feel safe and you don't demean them as a human. Right. But I, I don't have like a lot of connections in that world. I've just right. learned how to live amongst them. Yeah. I, I've just in traveling in the van, I've come across a couple of homeless people that, you know, I wouldn't have if I was just living my daily life. Sure. Like when I was in Arizona, I probably met like five or six people that were homeless in the same area that I was in that I would see pretty frequently on mm. the, on the corners. And I, I, you know, my limited experience, I found the same thing to be true. It's all people with mental illnesses or people yeah. who had surgeries or it, are very It's tough sad. to know how to help them. It's, yeah. yeah. It, it's sad, really. Because it, it isn't, it, at least from my experience, I haven't met anybody that seemed to be like completely a meth head or a coke head. You yeah. Know? And I'm sure that think, maybe exists. There's, a, there's probably <laughs> a reason right. why that stereotype is there. Yeah. And I've saw some of them walk, especially walking through Seattle, Portland, and Denver. I saw some of that. But um, I don't know. I, I think there's probably some truth to the fact that those kind of homeless people don't have a very long shelf life. Like, I don't right. know if I'm putting that indelicately, but um, it's a high risk lifestyle. And they just right. probably, um, I don't know, they, they, they run into problems that can be lethal. Right. Uh, so the ones you'll see, the ones who kind of stick around are ones who have learned how to fend for themselves and gain calories sufficient to sustain life, right. but um, have just sort of had trouble assimilating into society with a, a lot of social norms or, and yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. A lot of mental illness. It's very sad. And I don't like learn what the community looks like because I'm never in an, in an area for more than a day because right. I'm always on the move. So like, I'll be like, I remember in Destin, Florida, I was trying to find a place to sleep in cops of trees, like a C-O-P-S-E are like a good spot, but mm -hmm. everyone I investigated had already been claimed. <laughs> so like I saw them, but I didn't like get familiar with the local population of right. them. Yeah. Do you consider yourself homeless? I use the word, but no. Same. Like, um, uh. it, it's like a way for people to like set a baseline expectation of what my life looks like. But I mean, I have a family, I have a phone, I have a bank account. I own, I literally own a home. <laughs> yeah. I just don't live in it. So I'll use the word just to like sort of express what my lifestyle looks like. Right. But no, I wouldn't claim that I really know what it's like to be that without backup options. Right. In fact, uh, one time I was in Washington, I was in a place called Aberdeen. And this guy called me up. He's like, hey, I want to go on this hike in California. It's really long. It's so arduous. You're the best person I know that's good at long distance human powered travel. And I want another person to go with me for safety. He's like, I'll fly you down to California. Then I'll fly you back to Washington. And we're good. I was like, sounds like fun. And I got nowhere to be. So let's do this. So I took a bus. I left my cart with someone in, in that town. They uh -huh. let me store it in like their shed garage. And I flew down to, I took a bus to Seattle, flew down to California flew back to Seattle and then was taking a bus back to Aberdeen. So I got on one bus and my wallet was stolen. So my, like my ID, my money and all that kind of stuff. So all I had was Whoa. like my backpack with some clothes in it and my phone. And so I didn't have money and the bus that I was supposed to get on, which was only $3 didn't run on weekends. So I really kind of felt like stuck. I didn't yeah. have my cart, so I couldn't just walk back to Aberdeen, which is like 60 miles away. And so I was Whoa. like, man, this is what it feels like to be without options. Yeah. I didn't, I couldn't just like get a ride. I couldn't pay for a cab. I, I didn't have money. I didn't have anything. Yeah. I, I couldn't download Uber or like Lyft because they asked for my driver's license and number and it had just been stolen. 
So I was like, man, is this what it's like? And even at that point, I was like, no, I have family that really cares about me. I still have my phone. Right. I could call someone up if I absolutely had to. I could walk into a police station and I've been, I have a college education. I could explain myself. I could, you know, those yeah. people just really don't even have those options. They don't have the option of being presentable. They don't have like these finely tuned social skills that they feel like can probably get them out of most situations. They don't look relatively clean. And so even at that point, I was like, I can't call myself homeless. I can't say I, right. I know what that's like. At the end of the day, you could probably knock on someone's door and explain be, myself, explain yourself and be, yeah, charming enough to, yeah, to kind of explain. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas those people, if they really felt like they needed help and they approached someone because of their lack of social skills or like lack of mental acuity, they just know that that option's not going to work from, and that's right. just terribly hard to be it, so without dismissed. any method. Yeah. yeah. And like people are afraid of them. They'll get on the opposite side of the street. And, yeah. Even if they're telling the truth, people yeah. probably don't believe them. Yeah. So know? I can't, I can't give myself that moniker comfortably because yeah. yeah. I don't know what it's like. I did try to hitchhike that day uh-huh. because I was like, well, I don't know what to do. So right. I found a cardboard sign. I wrote Aberdeen on it and tried to, and it didn't work. But, um, the looks I got through windshields were the most demeaning dehumanizing uh, looks for those like three or four hours I've ever received. I'm not sure it's a great idea for long-term sustainability to give homeless people money. I think there's just better options for them than panhandling. But the least you can do is make them s- smile, like right. sh- show them kindness as with a yeah. smile. And at don't least act don't like they're not feel human. like, yeah. don't make them feel like they're less than you because right. they have life that might be harder than you know. Like one of those people that you look so down on, you know, if, if that may be the case, may be a guy who's just trying to walk across the country. Cause in that instance, all those people who looked at me like I was street trash, that was my story. Yeah. And they did, probably didn't know that, but it was true. Yeah. They didn't see a guy who graduated in finance. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Cause, ah, wow. So reserve judgment. Cause you never know. One of them might be just trying to walk across the country and discover what's worth doing with his life. Yeah. And trying to share the journey so that he can answer the age old existential human question of what am I doing here and uh-huh. what should I be doing? So wow. no need to look at them like they're worthless. Yeah. I'm really glad I asked you that question. I've been thinking about that a lot, especially this last weekend, because as you know, I, I can sound myself pretty lucky. I mean, I, I built a van. I live in a van. I yeah. can travel all over the place. I, I think, you know, a lot of my uh, friends have said, you know, like that, the, the phrase that oh you're living my dream that kind of stuff but driving around it's like i spent my entire weekend and talked to maybe two people like just for you know 72 hours maybe had a total of 10 minutes of conversation sure and that was it and i i thought at the end of the weekend this was yesterday um you know monday morning i woke up and i thought man i feel like trash like i feel just depressed i feel sad because i just haven't talked to anybody in a long time um and I was thinking about the people that I've met that are homeless. And I think it's like what I'm feeling. It's just nothing compared to what they must feel every day. You know, like yeah, just how the difficult rejection, that must be, you know, the, the, the dehumanization. Yeah. And it's, I'm not saying I know the answer to the problem of homelessness because it is a complicated, difficult problem. They need yeah. professional help and I, I can't offer it to them. But I, I also don't know if creating a system where they sort of, realize that they can panhandle as a sustainable method of living them like supporting themselves i think we probably are doing the most i'm not an expert so don't come at me but it might be a disservice because if we sort of 
cut off that option, then they might be obligated to find more sustainable methods like right. of taking care of themselves and finding, you know, I don't know. I really don't know. These are just my thoughts. Yeah. Well, but, and it's, yeah. But it is tough. There are people a lot smarter than me that are trying to solve that exactly. problem. Exactly. That's what I say, anywhere. too. Yeah. 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 The, the problem still exists. Man. So you kind of touched on this, well, quite a bit. And probably be my favorite part looking back on this is your words on, you know, empathy and kindness towards other people. Um, but do you have any like last thoughts or pieces of advice that you would give to people who are maybe trying to figure out their life or just trying to find, you know, source of happiness in life? Uh, yeah, kind of two, maybe three. Okay, perfect. Do four. <laughs> maybe a dozen. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so here's some of, the, some of the like things I've really boiled down as I've tried to like as through like interviews, you've sort of like are forced to like come up with sound bites that are true and authentic, but digestible. So here are some of the ones I've come up with. One, the world is a much safer place than you think. So get out there and try. The downside is never as low as you think. And the upside is higher than you can imagine for living a life where you really, really go for it. So, um, whatever, that's why my YouTube channel is you do you, whatever your thing is, try. That's my one word sermon. Try. Uh, two, yeah, the, the people thing. I, I think the greatest, yeah, I'm going to pull up, uh, I, I, one day in Louisiana, in a little a place called Slidell, I walked through, um, town and a friend called me up and she's like, Hey, I grew up in Slidell. She's like, I might be able to help you, uh, find a spot. And I was like, sweet. Um, like hit me up. Let me, let me know because that way I won't have to worry about like finding a place to camp tonight. And so I'm going to find it as fast as I can. Unfortunately, I post a lot on Facebook these days, so it might be kind of buried, but, um, while you're looking that up, you should tell people if they want to follow you. Oh yeah, here you go. So while I'm scrolling, plug, 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 (laughs) I found it. But, uh, so my, my channels that people can follow me on are YouTube. My channel is you do you written out Y-O-U space D-O space Y-O-U. My Facebook handle is my name, Isaiah Glenn Shields. And I do post occasionally on Instagram, but not, not so hot, not so much these days, but it's IG Shields 27. Anyway, so here's the basic background of that story that led to this revelation that I'm going to share with people. Um, it was a single mom. And I think she had been separated from her husband uh, somewhat recently. So her child was at his house, but she was in her like late forties, maybe. And I'm this upper twenties kid. And for some reason she was like, yeah, he can sleep, sleep in my house. Like in my guest bedroom. It's like, that's impressive. So I thought that was cool. And I was probably going to make a post about like, you know, like, I don't know, be a little more trusting of people. Most people aren't going to screw you over. But the next day she was like, Hey, I haven't like tried to pry. But she's like, but I'm just dying to know, like, what makes a kid do this? <laughs> and she's like, I think the way she phrased it was like, who hurt you? <laughs> Basically. <laughs> and so I did open up about, like, experiences that I'd had that were, like, in the prior months before coming up with this idea that probably were um, pivotal to me making right. that call. And then she opened up about some stuff that, you know, for had really affected her that had happened recently things that she'd learned about her own past and her family and um so here's what i'm gonna read it i hope that's it's like maybe three or four minutes yeah go for it but she goes so um we we had that conversation and it brought up a lot in me that i didn't know i had i like started like choking up a little bit 
And so I said, vulnerability is a scary thing. You leave yourself open to risk of great pain if your opening up isn't respected. So we don't do it very often. It usually needs to be earned. Think pearls before swine. But at that moment, it was an honest moment. She actually cared, not just passing curiosity. So I told her. I told her about things that had happened that hurt so bad they altered the deepest parts of myself. Things that are core to myself and not easily changed without great, nearly incomprehensible pain or alternatively great and nearly incomprehensible love. Things that change the way you see yourself and the world. I didn't go into details with what I shared with her, but I was honest. But I think that she could tell that I told her the truth, and with such vulnerability offered, she opened up too. I won't go into into details out of respect for her privacy, but she shared experiences that she's had recently that I knew immediately were of the same caliber, that it would change or make you question how you define yourself. Pain that you couldn't turn off, but rather had to stumble through. In that moment, I understood a little better how it might be possible for all of us to love each other. The complexity of her life, the fact that she'd experienced deep pain she hadn't earned or asked for in a life she didn't choose. She was just like me, a person born into a world they knew nothing about. And she was just trying to figure it out while she went along providing her for herself, just like me. I remember walking down the street afterwards, and the woods and the sky and the streets looked a little different. Something fundamental to deep truths about what the world looks like, what matters, and what this is all about were clarified, and that made me see everything differently. I imagine it's how a soldier sees the old battlefield differently than someone who is looking at the same scene but isn't aware of the past, of the trees and the grass they're looking at. And then I said, with all that said, I think I might know why I'm walking, or at least what I hope to get out of it, or at least in part, for now, I don't know. Anyway, it's this. I hope to come to understand in a deep profound, undeniable, and unshakable way the intrinsic and infinite value that each human life has. To see them for the things that have made them hurt, and to see them for the things that have made that have brought them pure joy. And to realize that, that that's there, even if they don't let it show, or like me, didn't realize how true it is of themselves until given the opportunity to see it. And I hope to learn to use that understanding to realize how much I love each of those people, and how much I want to fight for their growth and happiness, and then to show everyone that this could be the truth, maybe the ultimate truth so that they can uh, come to realize what matters and what's worth doing. And when the end of their life comes, they can be at peace knowing they were acting on knowledge of where they should be going with their days. We're all a family. The sooner we understand that, the better off we'll all be. And then I said, swipe through through the photos of some of these people I've met recently. Take a minute to look at their eyes and realize all that that's going on behind them. The pain, the confusion, the happiness, and the peace. And know that that's true of the people you pass on the streets, not just the ones I do. And I just like sat that out, sat down and just banged that out and just uploaded it because I was just in such a state. And it was um, one of the stronger experiences I've had in my life. Wow. Yeah, it's... Um, wow. People ask questions. They're like, so what was it like, <laughs> this walk? And I'm like, that's like asking like, what's war? Or what's yeah. it like to fall in love? Like, I don't know. I can't answer you in 30 seconds. Yeah. And that's why I've been trying to um, document it. So one day I can sort of do that question justice because it's been a lot. It's been, it's been intense. It's been everything. Yeah. But it's been worth it is probably a fast way to sum it up. Yeah. And transformative. Thanks so much, man. Thanks yeah. for, thanks for letting some dude hunt you down in Pennsylvania dude, to do I a love podcast it. because... Yeah, I mean, I wish we had another two hours where we could keep going. Yeah, uh, no, I feel you. That's pretty incredible stuff. I appreciate it. Well, good luck going to Maine. (laughs) Appreciate it, yeah. (laughs) Let me know if you need anything. We're getting close. (laughs) 7,400 miles down so far. Oh, gosh. It's crazy. 
Thanks, man. See you, everybody.